Thank you, Pastor Lou. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers today. Uh, to the father of this house, Dr. Cates, and we say Happy Father's Day. And to all of the fathers in the house, one more time, just let them know Happy Father's Day. Give them applause today. Thank you. The world needs men more than ever right now. I will tell you right now, there is an attack on men. I hope to address a little bit of that today and uh, kind of bring some... Uh, there you go. I need a club, if you don't mind. Oh, there it is. There it is. Uh, so happy Father's Day. Um, the, the text for today will be First uh, Timothy, uh, chapter one, verse eighteen to nineteen. Uh, I've uh, I've witnessed some shots in my day. There was, there was a time where we were losing. We were freshmen in high school. And we didn't win one game all season. We, like literally, we did not win one game all season. It was just loss after loss after loss. And I look back on that season and, and uh, there was a lot of providence in it. And there was a coach by the name of uh, Ed Citro. And, and Coach Citro, there was something different about Coach Citro. I didn't know it at the time, but I graduated high school. And I played for Coach Citro one season of basketball. And I graduated high school, and Coach Citro showed up that evening on the front lawn of Clearview High School, and he, he gave me a scrapbook. And he said to me, uh, he said, I've been following you your whole high school athletic career. I've, I've watched you, and I've put this together for you. And he handed it to me. It was a scrapbook of, of my athletic career in high school. And he still didn't tell me, though. He still didn't, he still didn't reveal. But I knew there was something about this dude. You know, he was the coach that year. And man, we just lost. We were professional losers. If you know Coach Citro, I would love to reconnect with that guy and tell him how much of a difference he made. And I remember, you know, in, in high school or freshman basketball, everyone goes to the playoffs. <laughs> it's just like, it was our version of everybody gets a trophy. I kind of despise it now, but... Everyone went to the playoffs, and so the best team in the league played the worst team in the league. Are you familiar with this? And so we were the worst team in the league. And I believe it, was, uh, it wasn't Southview. It wasn't. I'm sorry. They weren't the best. They weren't the, they weren't the best. In wrestling, yes. But, but, but I think it was Elyria West at the time was the best. They were the best. And, and, uh, and we determined... I remember Coach Citro, he, you know, before the game, he gave us the, gave us the faith talk, you know. I know now that it was the faith talk. I, w I wasn't sure what it was then, but now I know it was the faith talk. And he said, doesn't matter how many we've missed, doesn't matter how many we've lost, to, today we can, we can win. I'm telling you, I believe in you. We can win. We can win, you know. And, and we go out and we're like, and we, I think we kind of knew we could win. There was a lot of athleticism on the team. I, uh, Marlon was on the team. He was an Olympic uh, track uh, star. You know, this, it was a lot of athleticism. So I think we knew it. We just, you know, we just got used to losing. And when you get used to losing after a while, you're just like, yeah, it doesn't bother you after a while. Uh, and, and so we, we went out and we said, we're going to win today. We're going to win today. And, and so we went out and we were playing. And it was all knotted up at the end. And there was two point some seconds left on the clock and uh, we were down by one and they were shooting free throws. Uh, Coach Citral calls a timeout and we all come over to the side and he said, this is how it's going to go down. He said, this is how it's going to go down, guys. He said, this, guy, this kid's going to miss. He's going to choke under the pressure of this shot. And when he misses, we got one 
shot. And I just want you to erase every missed shot in your memory now. And he said, when that ball comes off of that rim, I want you to grab that ball, whoever it is, doesn't matter who it is, I want you to grab that ball and I want you to throw it like it's gonna go in. You hear me? And we're like, yeah, Clippers, one, two, three, Clippers. And we walked out there and I was on the blocks and, and, and the shot went up. And man, if it didn't happen, just like Coach Citro said, it came off, it bounced a little, bounced off, and it hit the hands of Marlon Sadler, Pastor Marlon Sadler. It hit his hands. We were all the way on the other end of the court, in the paint on the other side of the court. Marlon, without even flinching, I mean, with the instincts of a like a tiger, a cobra. He just, he just threw it, ice in his veins, man. And I'm telling you, that ball flew over there and we all watched it. It like suspended in the air for like 10 seconds, it felt like. And we were like, oh, and we got, we got film footage of it. And man, it went in, it dropped, it went in, it boom. Well, the place went crazy. We were we all just jumping all around. Went in. Afterwards, Marlon, what were you thinking? He was like, man, Coach Citro said, just shoot it, throw it like it's going to go in. That's what he said. Just shoot it, throw it like it's going to go in. 35 years later, man. 35 years later. A lot of misses. A lot of attempts, a lot of misses. I'm on the golf course the other day. Golf is a punishing sport. I ain't played in a while. I went out there because it was Marlon's birthday, and he's my best friend. So I went out there with him, and, and he said, come on, you know, come on, play. And so I was on his team, and we, we did a scramble. Now, if you know what a scramble is, but a scramble is where four guys take a shot, and you play the best shot. So, so like, you know, like, okay. So, so we get out there, and uh, I might stink. I'm not that good. I'm hot trash. Marlon's just trash. He's a little, he's one degree better than me. You know what I mean? On the I'm hot trash. He's just trash. You know what I mean? And then we got two other guys on our team that can play. That can play. I mean, they, they know, you know, when they, their form is, is just, you know, they, they got it. You could tell when they got up to tee off, I was like, oh, that guy can play right there. Yep, that's the guy. Got. So we were, now, like I said, I'm hot trash. I ain't, I'm no good. But I still hate losing. I hate to lose, man. I hate to lose like I hate the devil. I want to win. It don't care. I don't care if we're driving across the country. Man, you know what I'm talking about. If, if we're in one car and, and our family's in another car, I'm winning, baby. Let's go. Nobody gets to go to the restroom. You got to pee in a cup. You got to do what you got to do. But we are winning this race. This is not a race. Oh, every, everything is a race. I want to win. 35 years later, 35 years later, I'm on the golf course with Marlon. And we were up by one stroke, and they had all the players, man. Like I said, we, we were definitely, there was no reason we should have been up. But we were on like two or three holes from the end, and uh, I was feeling the pressure, and I, Marlon was up to putt. And there are mean greens and mean jeans out there. Listen to me, I mean... You know, and this green was mean. It had a, it, it was, he was far away. You, far away. He was way out there. And uh, I just looked at all the fellas and I said, Marlon, it's your birthday. This putt is going in. And he looked at me and I gave him a wink. So you know what I mean? And I stood over top of the hole with my feet kind of like this. I said, Marlon, all you got to do, get it close. The rest of the, the team we were competing with was about 100 yards away watching this putt. They knew that every stroke mattered. And I said, I said hey, guys, look at me. When, when the golf ball gets close to the cup, I want you to celebrate like it went in. Because guess what? It's going in. And I said, Marlon, you just get it close to the cup. Marlon teed up. He was way out there. He was, he was over there by Super K or, or the Myers, you know. He was way out there. It's not Super K anymore. It's Myers now. He, he got there. He gave it his best form, you know. He gave it his best form. He, he held it there. And, and, man, and we all held our breath. And he hit that thing. And I was standing there watching it. Man, 
As they got closer and closer, we all knew this thing's about to go in. So I backed up off of the hole, and I'm like, oh, man, it's about to go in. And, man, it dropped. It fell in the hole. We all went crazy. We all ran around. It's your birthday, Marlon. He's the God of the shot. Jesus loves you. He's the God of the shot, man. He made that putt drop. Romans 1.16 says, if you could put that up there for me, I know I'm going out of term. Romans 1, I want to read it for you. Romans 1 verse 16 says this. And it says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God. It is the power of God. And I've noticed something, I've noticed something in pulpits and in, in, in the pews. I've noticed this, 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 this subtle compromise of the power of the gospel, how it's crept into the, to the, to the pulpit and how it's crept into the pews. There's the spirit of rationalization. You began to pray about it earlier, Pastor. There's a spirit of rationalization that has crept in unknowingly, unsuspectingly, under the guise of intelligence, under the guise of academia. It's crept into our teaching, and we've so clinicaled. We've made the gospel clinical in the church and in the pews. We've, 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 we've sterilized the gospel to such a degree that we, we almost apologize for the power of the gospel. We almost make an excuse as to why we miss so much and how it must be God's will for us to miss the putts of life. But I'm here to tell you today, I'm here here to encourage you today that he is the God of the shot and I don't care how many have missed I want you to know that he is still the God of the shot and all you gotta do is you just gotta keep on shooting he is the God of the impossible he is the God of the man that's never gonna go in he is the I am not ashamed of the gospel the gospel is this, the putt's going to go in. That's the gospel. The gospel is, the gospel don't make no rational sense, church. The gospel is you've lost your whole life and none of the putts you've been putting are, are going in. None of them are sinking. But the gospel says if you putt one more time in faith, the same power that resurrects Christ, if you just hold on in faith, one of them is going to drop because he's still the God of the shot. He's still the God of the shot. Haggai said, Haggai said this. He said, your ladder shall be greater than your former. What was Haggai saying? Don't you let go. Don't you grow weary in well-doing. Don't you let go of the, of the impossibility of God in your life. Don't you let go of the miracle-working power of God in your life. Just one more shot, Christian. Just one more shot, Father. Just one more shot, man. Just one more shot. He's the God of the shot. The spirit of the spirit that wants to remove the hope of the gospel for the people of faith. It wants to deteriorate faith so much and make it so rational that we begin to, to almost apologize. We, 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 we clean it up and we say, well, we don't want to be hyperbolic. We don't want to be sensational. We don't want, to, we, we don't want an emotional gospel. 
you can give me an emotional gospel all day long rather than a sensible gospel that you can explain away from a textbook. I don't want a rational gospel. I want a gospel that says Jesus hung on a cruel cross and he died and they placed him in the grave. And three days later, contrary to everybody's knowledge, contrary to any sense in this world, he rose up out of the grave. And the Bible says that same power that brought him out of that grave is in me today and it's in you today. And I've come to tell you, don't you grow weary. Don't you stop shooting. That He is still the God of the shot. And I don't care how many have missed. Just keep shooting like the next one's going to go in. We all celebrated. Marlon said, man, I just did what you said. I just put it like I knew it was going to go in. And I've come to encourage you today to say, man, you gotta, you got to keep on living like you know God's still going to answer your prayers. you got to keep on praying like you know he still raises the dead. you got to still keep on believing like you know he opens blind eyes. you got to keep on believing like you know that you know that he is the God of your shot and that no matter how many you've missed, the next one's going to drop. I'm telling you the next one's going to drop. The Bible says that the bowls of heaven are filling up with the prayers of the saints. And I want you to know today that the next prayer you pray could be the one that goes in if you just don't let go. If you just hold on in faith. He's the God of the shot, of the impossible, of the miracle. He is the God. I've watched him do it. I've seen a few shots go in in my time. I, I sat there for 15 long seconds when my wife flatlined on the bed in the hospital. And I cried out to the only name that I know that's powerful enough to resurrect the dead. And as I called out the name of Jesus on the third time, and I reached back down inside of time, and I said Becca's name, she looked up and she said, why are you screaming? He's the God of the shot. She was dead for 15 seconds, but the name of Jesus brought her back. He's the God of the shot. I watched a little boy in Haiti one time laying dead 15 seconds away. It appeared from death, and we prayed, and we walked through the hospital, and as we were on the way out, he was up and walking around and kicking a, a little ball in the street. He's the God of the shot, church. And you say, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. I don't care about your yeah, buts. I know what I know. I've seen, I am persuaded that neither death, not, not, nor, nor height, nor depth, not nothing can separate me from the love of God. I know that he still raises the dead. I know that he is the God of the shot. I know he is. So I've come to encourage fathers today, like Paul did Timothy, in 1 Timothy 1, verse 18, he said, This I charge, I commit to you. Timothy, this is what I charge you with. It's what I commit to you. According to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them... You may wage good warfare. Having faith and a good conscience. Say faith and good conscience. What do you need for good warfare? You need faith. And you need a good conscience. If you got faith, Timothy... It doesn't matter how much it is. It doesn't have to be your neighbor's faith, your mama's faith, your daddy's faith. It just has to be the measure he issued you at birth. You just have to have access to that measure of faith. If you got faith, Timothy, and you, and you got a good conscience, you can wage war. And no matter how many times you miss, Timothy, you will win. And so I've come to encourage you. What was Paul telling Timothy? He's telling Timothy, you got to keep shooting, Timothy. You got to stop paying attention to the ones that have missed. Faith is not faith is not defined by your makes. Faith is defined when you miss. And how you respond when you when you miss, how you respond when life is missing. 
is what defines the measure of faith that you possess. Whether you get back up and you say, I believe again. Whether you stand back up, no matter how much you've lost, no, no matter what the season looks like, you stand back up and you say, I know I've suffered loss, but I know he is the God of victory. He's the God of my victory. And he warns him. He says, Timothy, for the day you lose faith, and the day you lose your good conscience, you will be shipwrecked. You will suffer shipwreck. There's no more worse a condition a Christian can be in in a state of shipwreck to know that they were built and made the high seas for voyages to destinies unknown to heights written by God secrets whispered by God you know them men you know them you know the secrets that God has whispered to your heart he said but if you let go of your faith, if you, if you stop shooting like it's gonna go in, if you, if you start believing that you're gonna miss, you're gonna suffer shipwreck. And the very winds that were contrary to you, that were meant to take you to your destiny, will destroy you. The very seas that were meant to make you stronger in life, they will bring desolation to you. If you let go of your faith, and if you let go of your good conscience, be certain you will become a castaway in this world. You will be dashed upon the rocks of circumstance in life. You will fall prey to every empty philosophy. You will become hopeless. Ladies, I want you to know we are living ladies. Listen to me. I want you to know if there's a man beside you, He deals with the pressures of this life. The wind and the wave of this life he carries the burden of the assignment of God deep inside of him. And all of hell fights him. All of hell wakes up in the morning, Georgie, and it makes sure that you don't get there, that it ruins your faith. That it, make, that it makes your faith rational. That it removes the power of the gospel. The man that sits next to you, the men in this room, the men watching online, they know they were created for greatness. They know we live in perilous times. The enemy knows the force of a man. He knows it, and so he brings and he unleashes all of hell against the man in our time. He'll do whatever he can. He'll get them addicted to drugs or pornography or any other thing that steals the glory of God and the destiny of God from his life. Why? Because the man is powerful. That man is powerful. Eighty percent of all suicides are men. Eighty percent. Church, our, our men are becoming shipwrecked. Suicide is the lead, leading cause of death among men under 50 years old. Men are feeling hopeless, lost at sea like never before. There's an emptiness in men's eyes these days that I witness. There's a bitterness that forms after a while. You shoot and you shoot and you shoot, and nothing drops and nothing drops, nothing turns your way after a while. It's the plan of, it's the plan of Satan that, that you just keep missing it, and, and after a while, you lose faith. What is faith? Faith is what you believe. 
Paul said, keep your faith. Your faith's going to keep you alive. Why? Because faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things you can't see. It is hope. Faith is hope. So you got to keep your faith, men. Faith is what you believe about you in Christ. Separate from Christ, you are nothing. But in Christ, faith says to you that all things are possible, men. Faith says to you that if you are in Christ, all things are possible. Faith says that the next shot's going to go in. Faith says that the next prayer's going to be answered. Faith says give it another shot. Get up and go after it again. Faith pulls you off the dirt, stands you upright, cleanses you. If you're cleansed as the righteousness of God, faith will pull you up. No matter how many times you fall, faith will pick you back up. Paul says you need faith. You've got you to have a belief that it's going to go in. And then he says you've got to have Timothy, you've got to have a good conscience. Now, conscience, is, this is an interesting word. A good conscience, he says. Good conscience is what you say to yourself about yourself. It's self-perception. That's what conscience is. Conscience, he said, and Paul said, notice what he said. He said, have a good self-perception. It's, a, it, it, it's, it's an interesting word, the way it's, it's translated. It's it's, it's, it's it's, it's like it, it duplicitous. It means two things. It's a part of the mind that provides self-perception, and it's a voice that serves as a guide to your self-perception. You know, there's a voice. It's, it's what you say about you to you. And my question to you today, men, churches, what do you say to you about you? Do you say to you, about you, what Jesus says to you about you? Or, or, or do you have a tendency to, to say to yourself that this one's going to miss too because every other one has missed? That's the plan of the enemy. Faith is, belief that, faith is the belief that it's going to go in, and good conscience is telling yourself it's going to go in. So every day you gotta wake up and you gotta, you gotta tell yourself, it's gonna go in, and you gotta, you gotta keep on telling yourself, it's gonna go in. You gotta believe that it's gonna go in, and you gotta start talking to yourself like it's gonna go in. You gotta carry yourself. You know, like I've noticed that, you know, good golfers, good golfers carry themselves a little ways. You know, they, they, they got this way they walk. You know, Pastor Dominic, he's a good golfer. He walks like a good golfer, but then there are hacks like myself. There are hacks that we don't know how. And nothing is more punishing and humiliating than the game of golf. You know, the game of golf is a lot like life. Uh, it pushes you out. You know, there's no other sport other than, I think, golf. I don't know. I haven't played any that puts you all out in front of God and everybody to shame you and humiliate you. If you're not familiar with golf, everybody is behind you watching you be terrible. They watch you. They're actually watching you while you hit the ball. Well, in my case, you miss the ball. And, they, and the pressure of them watching you oftentimes will make you choke. This one hole we hit, Marlon hit it for negative yards. He hit it, he hit it, but it didn't go that way. It went sideways. And then somehow he put spin on it, so it went backwards. So it went, it went to the hole behind us instead of the hole in front of us. And on the very same hole, I teed off, and I hit a shot. I went, whack, I hit it. And I'm like, oh, that looks good. And just when I said, oh, that looks good, it turned right. I mean, immediate. It took a right in the sky. Whoop. And then I don't know how. I don't know how the laws of physics turn the ball this way. But the ball turned around about 100 yards and came right back to where I was. I had a boomerang bowl. It was humiliating, you know? And life, life will do that to you. Life will put you out there, put pressure on you, and this is what's happened to men. Men have, have fallen victim to shipwreck in our world today. So if I could, I just want to encourage you. Church, I want to encourage you in faith. And I learned a few things the other day when I was out there. The first thing I learned and I want to encourage you with is this, that you need, you need a, a couple players on your team that actually know how to play the game of faith. 
You do. You need, to, you need some influence in your life that actually knows what they're doing with, with faith. And because you're going you're gonna to get stuck in the water, the woods, you're going to get stuck in the weeds of life, and you're going to need somebody that actually knows what they're doing to get you out of there. Here's what the Bible tells us. It encourages us in 3 John 1.11. It says, Beloved, do not intimidate do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. He says, imitate what is good. You got to get yourself around some people that, that are experienced in faith. And the last thing you want to do, and this is something I'm noticing, is, you know, in the name of success, we're, we're, we're bringing on mentors in our lives. We're bringing on, we're imitating mentors in the name of success. Because we want to be successful, we'll take anybody. We'll take the advice from anybody to be successful. But this is what the Bible tells us. Do not imitate the world. The Bible tells us to find some people that walk like Christ, that believe like Christ, and imitate them, walk like them, create the form like them. Uh, Brandon, Marlon's son, is a very good golf player. And, and, and you, you could tell a very good golf player by their form. They have this form, and it's, it's, it's uniform throughout. They swing the ball a certain way, and then when, you know, when a hat gets up, it's a mess. It looks terrible, you know. So I get up there, and I try to, and it's just a mess. But every time he went up, it was the same. And I, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you men. I want to encourage the church today. you got to get around some people that have formed faith in their life, that, that have disciplined faith in their life that that swing after swing after swing and that they all don't go in they all don't look pretty but they but they have this they have this discipline about their life and I want to encourage you to like gravitate to those who have formed faith in their life we must practice what we believe in our good conscience Developing perfect faith requires practice. Swing after swing after swing. And the only way to make faith stronger in your life is to keep practicing. That, what's he saying? Most of them aren't gonna, most of them aren't gonna work out the way you'd like, so you gotta keep practicing. Believe the word and speak the word. Believe what God says and then speak what God says. Get yourself around some big shot takers. For the life of me, I can't understand. I can't understand why there is this, this abandon from legacy of faith. I don't understand why, why people aren't gravitating towards proven faith. I'm like, the, the Bible encourages us, like it tells us in the Psalms. I was reading the other day. In the Psalms, it, it encourages us to like tell our, our children about the mighty works of God. Keep telling them about it. And for the life of me, I can't understand why we're walking away. It said that there's a great falling away from, from faith in our day. And I can't understand it because, you know, we live in an hour where there are some giants that are still alive. And we should be gravitating ourselves to these big shot Takers of faith, find one, latch on, because there's going to be some days where your shots are going to end up, and you're going to need some advice. How do I get out of the weeds? Pastor, how do I get out of the weeds? How do I, how, what do I do? I'm in the water of life right now. I'm shipwrecked. Now what, God? What do I do now? And you're going to need somebody that's disciplined in faith to say, this is what you do. This is how you swing. You keep your head down. You don't swing too hard. You choke up on the thing. You do, this is the form you must create. Create formed faith by imitating formed faith. And secondly, I want to encourage you to develop a focus of faith. Develop a focus of faith. You know, uh, 
Rookies don't know where the, where the green is. There were so many, we'd walk up and I'd go, hey, where's the green? And then, and then the guys that know what they were doing, they'd say, you see that flag out there? That's the green, dummy. I'm like, okay. Because, because what, it, the inexperience in faith, those who, who are losing their faith, you know what we begin to look at? We look at the hazards of life. We look at the water, we look at the woods, and we look at the weeds. And what you look at is where you go. What you're afraid of, Job says, that which I feared is where my ball went. That which I feared has come upon me. What are you looking at in life? Philippians 3, 13 to 14 says this. This is what Paul says. He said, I don't count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, I forget my last shot. I forget the shot that didn't drop. I forget the things that are behind me. And I reach forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I press toward it. I focus on, I strain and I press. I focus on the goal. What's the goal? What are you pressing and straining toward? Develop a discipline that knows how to stress and pray and, and strain. When the ball's not flying straight, you, you, gotta, you gotta be disciplined. We must develop discipline. You gotta press and you gotta strain. One of the ways you develop discipline, men, is like just real, real, real simple, real applicable. Advice here is to manage your time well. Understand, number your days. Number your days. Manage your time well. Man, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta become better at, at, at stewarding our days. We gotta become better at managing what God has given us. We are the stewards for our time, and we must become better, so we gotta manage our time better. Number two, we gotta do hard things first. You got that stack of stuff you, you, you put off, you got a to-do list, and at the bottom is where you put all the hard things. But a disciplined man puts the hard things at the beginning. He said, I'm going to do the hard things first, always the hard things first. The older I get, the more I just say, give me the hard thing first. And if you got it, I'll help you with your hard thing. Give me the hard things first. If you're going to become disciplined and you're going to, you're going to keep yourself out of the woods and the weeds and the water, you're going to have to do the hard things first, man. Number three, you're going to have to finish everything you start. If I could say anything to the church of the living God today, it would be this, that you finish what you start. Do not despise the day of small beginnings, but you've got, you got to keep on pushing through in faith, in good conscience. You've got, to, you've got to finish what you start. So many people falling off. They start well. They, they, out of the gates, they're good. they got a, they got a few good shots, but what happens about... Well, you know, whole nine is we all just get tired and at the turn we go in for a hot dog and I went home. That's what I did. But you got to finish strong. We got to learn to finish strong, church. And number four, always do one more. Always do one more. I've started doing, I started about a year and a half, two years ago, I started running. And I'd do push-ups. I'd do 100 push-ups, and then I'd do 100 uh, squats and 100 sit-ups, right? But at the end of them, I always do one more. And, 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 and I tell myself, Troy, send some to tomorrow. In case, in case something happens, send some to tomorrow. And, and, and what I want to tell you is, like, when you're reading your Bible, church, send some to tomorrow. They, you know, they have those daily reading things, you know, and I'll read today's, and what I'll do is I'll flip over to tomorrow, and I'll go into tomorrow, just in case something happens where I, I, I don't have time to get a word tomorrow. I've already covered it. I sent some to my tomorrow, and I want to encourage you in faith to send some faith to tomorrow. Always do one more. Develop an attitude of faith. I want to encourage you to develop an attitude of faith. If I were to bring you up here and, and uh, I were to bring the green up here, and this is what I did on the golf course the other day. 
all the guys were out, and uh, I went up to the other team that was behind us, and I took a $100 bill out of my pocket, and they had, they had, a, they had a, you know, a medium-sized putt, and I took that $100 bill, and I stuck it in the hole, and I said, whoever makes that shot gets that, gets that $100, and all of them choked, man. They all, None of them. I mean, they were so, they got the Jimmy arms right at the last minute. You know, they were like, oh, you know. All of them choked. But you know what Jesus does for the hacks? Jesus stands over the top of the hole like I did for Pastor Marlon, and he says, hey, I got you. It's going to go in. And I want you to start. What I, want, what I want to encourage you to do is start living your life of faith just with all the pressure removed. Just pray prayers and believe. God, this is going in. Why? Because you said, you said, God, you said that it, you said, you said as it, my word, you said my word, my word will not return to me void. So I'm gonna pray this prayer and I'm just gonna know that it's gonna go in and I'm taking all the pressure off and what I'm, I'm gonna become like, I'm gonna become so clutch in my prayer life that there's no pressure. Why? Because I know you got me. I know that you're the God of the shot. I know you still heal the sick. I know you still raise the dead. I know you still answered my prayer. So I'm taking all the pressure off of me because I can't do it anyway. And so God, I just give it all back to you. And I'm just going to start living this life of faith like I can't miss. I'm going to start taking risks like I can't miss. I'm going to start enjoying my life. Why? Because because God, you never miss. You always, you never miss. You always make. And just because I've missed a few putts in life doesn't mean or minimize you doesn't mean you're not who you said you are just because a few didn't drop for me it doesn't mean your word's not true for me it just means that, that, that there's some times in my life where I putted in my own strength where I thought that I could do it but God I just take all the pressure off and I just put like you're standing over top of me and you're going to make it drop God you're going to make it drop for your people today you're going to make it drop for your children today you're going to I'm going to develop a clutch mindset Philippians 2, 5 says, let that mind be in you. He said, let that mind be in you. And it's, yes, you have to give permission to that mind. You have got to give that, that kind of faith permission in your mind. But, but here, it, it, it's, it's more than that. It's this way. It, that translated accurate, accurately means give, give your mind the direction of faith. You, you have the authority, you have the power, you have the, the, the option to like just passively live in faith or to aggressively live in faith. You can direct your faith. You gotta direct your thoughts in faith. You have to purposely direct them towards faith. I've developed this habit. I've developed this habit that when a negative thought comes into my mind, I say this, I say that is not the imagination of Jesus for my future. So I imagine a better future, a good future, a faith, a faith future, a promise and a hope future. I develop. So immediately when it comes in, I say, nope, that's not the imagination of heaven. This is what God imagines for my future. So I believe good things for me, for my children. I believe they will long in the earth, satisfied to the end of their days. They're going to operate with the purpose and the destiny of heaven over their life. I believe that our church is being added to every day. I believe, God, that you are the, you are the God of of the shot. You're the God of my shot. So I believe for it. Fathers, you are not defined by the shots you miss. Hear me, you are not defined by the mistakes you've made, by the failures, by the times that you've, you, you didn't, you weren't, you couldn't, my daughter, one time, she was playing in the tree in the front yard. And as she played in the tree, I was standing, I mean, literally, I was standing a foot away from her. And as I'm standing a foot away from the limb breaks, and I missed her. It haunts me to this day. I missed her. I missed her. She was probably four years old. She was, she was up in a tree about to my, to my eyes and my head. And, and I missed her. She fell to the ground. She broke her arm again. She's broken the same arm four times in the same place. And there were four times, you know, and, and four times I missed. Four times I missed as a father. 
You just keep missing, Troy. You're not a good father, Troy. You, you see, you can't even catch your own daughter and your foot away. What good are you, Troy? You're not. You're no good. And you mess up with your kids. You know your first kid's a crash dummy. You don't know what you're doing. They give you this kid, you take it home. You're like, what am I going to do with this thing? And then you see him repeating some of the dumb things you did in life. It's like, I'm missing, man. I'm missing. And if you're not careful, you'll start, you'll start convincing yourself that you just miss, guys. But I want to tell you, he's the God of the shot. He doesn't miss. And our faith is not defined by the times we miss. Because he stands over top of it and says, you missed, Troy. I know you missed. But guess what? I never miss. I'm the God of victory. I'm the God of your future. I'm the God of your hope. I never miss. And you're forgiven. You know you can forgive yourself, men. You can forgive yourself for the times you've dropped, for the times you've missed, for the times you weren't all you were supposed to be. There were times in my life where I did things I was so ashamed of that haunt me to this day. And God whispers over my shoulder when I'm in his presence, says, I'm proud of you. You're forgiven. Don't you allow that to define your future. And if I could tell you anything today, man, I'd say you got to get back into the fight of faith. The world needs you right now. The world needs men to pray like men can only pray. I got to tell you, man, you got to get to the altar and you got to start praying again. It shouldn't be that there are only women praying at the altar. Men, if I could implore you, I'd say, be restored in your most holy faith again. You're forgiven. Don't you let go of faith. Don't you let go of faith just because you missed, just because, you, because a couple didn't drop. God's not done yet. He's still the God of the shot. Faith is defined by how you respond when you miss, not by what you make. Faith is, faith is defined when David fell. His faith was defined when he got back up and he washed himself off. And he said, I'm going back to work in faith. I'm a king, he said. I'm a king. And I failed. I made mistakes. But my God has not taken his spirit from me. So my life is not done yet. My destiny is not fulfilled yet. I get up again. And I can encourage you today. Get up, man. Get up again. Wash yourself off. Be washed in the righteous blood of Jesus. And continue walking forward in faith. He's still the God of the shot. And here, listen to me. Even when it doesn't go in, still believe that it will. That's a strong man right there. That's a strong man that can time after time after time. It fails, it fails, it fails. You say, God, where are you? But you still get back up and you say, even though it doesn't go in, even though the report wasn't what I expected, I will not quit, God. I will not lay down my life. I will not forsake the call of God and the destiny of God. I've been created for more. My faith is stronger than that. I'm going to stand back up. Even though it doesn't go in, I'm still going to put again like it's going to go in, God, because you are the God of the shot. And I know it doesn't look like it's going to go in right now. I know, it, no, I know in many instances it doesn't look promising. It doesn't look hopeful. But I want you to know, he's the God of the shot. And the most paralyzing thing you can do to the devil is keep believing. It's just keep believing, man. You say, oh, even if he slays me, yet shall I praise him. Even if it doesn't go in, you can throw me in the fire, but I will never forsake my faith in my God. You can, you can throw me in the lion's den, but he is still king of kings, and he is still Lord of lords. He comes to, Satan comes to Job and says, curse God and die. It doesn't matter what happens to me. I won't let go of God. He sends the enemy in retreat when you just don't let go of God. And you keep on believing. You keep on believing that the next one's going to fall. And you tell yourself, God is good. 
God is good. And I know I'm miles away and this one doesn't look probable, but I know that in the presence of God, all things are possible. And so I, I just take a shot one more time and I turn around and walk away and I just know that it's going to go in. That's the kind of faith I pray for you today. Take a shot, turn away, and just know that it's going to go in. Know that he's going to raise your, your child from the situation. And just know that it's going to go in. So we need a good conscience. A good conscience is a conscience covered in the blood of Jesus and confirmed by the Holy Spirit. Here's what it says in Hebrews 9.14. It says, how much more? How much more? How much more shall the blood of Jesus Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience. Only the blood has the power to cleanse your conscience, to make your conscience hopeful, to make your, your, your self-perception good. Only the blood of Jesus has the power to do that. Only the blood of Jesus can wash away the reproach of sin. <laughs> only the blood of Jesus can wash away only the blood of the Savior, of the risen God. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus, for it is the power that redeems me. It brings me out of the grave. It lifts me up when I'm tired and weary and I want to quit. Oh, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus. No matter my situation, no matter what I've come through, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For the blood of Jesus is so powerful that it lifts me, that it gives me hope, even in the most hopeless situations. Oh, when the blood comes in, it doesn't just cover my mind. It just washes and cleanses. I can't even remember anymore the shame and the guilt and the condemnation and the reproach. Oh, the blood of Jesus washes the believer. The blood of Jesus. So we need the blood, church. You need the blood today. You need to be washed in the blood of the Lamb. You need, a, you, you need a trip down the aisle to the altar where you say, I'll take away every sin, every mistake, every failure, and wash me, cleanse my conscience in your blood. And we need a voice. We need a voice that speaks to us and creates the perception within ourselves of who Jesus died for. And that voice is the voice of truth. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the advocate of, of Jesus. He said, i got to go now, but I won't leave you. I'm not going to leave you without help. I'm sending you a voice. I'm going to send you a voice that's going to live on the inside of you and it's going to talk to you. And it's going to come when every lie of the enemy comes to you. That voice is going to tell you. What's it going to tell you? It's going to tell you the truth, baby. And every time, just because you've missed a few, that voice of truth is going to come to you and it's going to say, do it again. It's going to go in. I see, I see a cloud coming on the horizon about the size of a man's hand. Just, I just need you to do it again. He whispers to you in your despair, in your shipwreck condition, when you're a castaway on an island alone and nobody's there with you. The voice of truth will come to you. The Holy Spirit will come to you. And the only voice we must listen to must be the voice of the Holy Spirit. Because you will lie to you. Your natural voice, you know, we talk to ourselves some weird amount of time during the day. There's this self-dialogue we have, and it's creating a self-perception. And it affects how you see you. And how you see you has an effect on how you approach God whom you can't see. How you see you matters. So if you see you as worthless, 
If you see you as ruined, if you see you as washed up, if you see you as finished, that affects how you approach the one who died for you to see you cleansed and redeemed and made whole. So you can't trust your own voice. The enemy knows. He said, he said, they'll come to the voice of the shepherd. He said, my sheep know my voice. And when I call them, they will come. And I hear the voice of the good shepherd calling you home. Men, church, I hear the voice of truth saying to you, this is your hour. This is your time. The spirit of Antichrist is in the world right now. And the world is beginning to believe the lie because men, strong men, have become shipwrecked. Strong men who started out in faith lost their faith. They missed a few. They missed a few more. They missed a few more. After a while, they grew weary and they quit. Quit fighting, because it's hard work to fight. It's hard to keep on fighting. It's hard when it doesn't look like what God said to keep on fighting. It's hard. It's discouraging. It's disheartening. But I pray the breath of the Lord Jesus right now. Just lift your all the men in the room and ladies to come on. Just lift your voice. Just lift your hands. Just right now. Just, I pray right now, refreshing to you. Strength you right now. I declare strength. God said, I will abide in you forever. I am the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. Voice of truth now. Voice of truth now. Come to fathers. Come to men in this room. Voice of truth now. Come to the church of the living God. Be washed in the blood right now. God, just lift your hands a little higher and say, God, wash me in the blood, the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb. Wash me. I ask you to forgive me of my sin, oh God, and wash me again, brand new. Cleanse my conscience and make it good. Make my future good. Make my tomorrow good. Your latter shall be greater than your former. Your tomorrow better, full of hope, full of future, full of promise. I declare you cleanse the soul-cleansing blood of the Lord. Holy Spirit, now come. Holy Spirit, now come. Holy Spirit, now come. I know you're already here, but I'm just asking you, Holy Spirit, to just, just reassure your children, your sons and your daughters. Whisper in their ear, truth. You're forgiven. Truth. You're the head and not the tail. Truth. You're blessed when you come in. You're blessed when you go out. Doesn't matter what it looks like. Truth says the next one's going in. Your children are coming back. Truth says you're going to make it. Truth says it's a valley of the shadow of death, but it's not death. Truth says you're going to live and not die. Truth says you're going to live long and you're satisfied to the end of your day. Truth says you are going to make it. Let's pray. Come on, stand to your feet with me as we pray. Come on, just with me. Jesus, I pray give faith again to those who are lost at sea. Bring them home by your loving forgiveness. Redeem them, God. Help them to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, directing them to your goodness. For you are good. For you are good. Come on, say it with me. God, you are good. Come on, say it with me. It's going to go in. Say this with me. You're the God of my shot. I pray you are blessed today. If you're in this room, you're in this room, and you've never prayed the prayer of salvation, listen to me now. 
listen to me online, listen to me. There's only two ways you walk out that door. Only two ways you walk out saved or you walk out condemned. Jesus died. Jesus suffered, bled, and died that you would be saved. That not only would you go to heaven, but you would have the ability to bring heaven to this earth. That's the power of the gospel. So I tell that to you with all humility. And as we pray this next prayer, right there between you and the Lord, you're going to pray. And you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna analyze and say, where am I with Jesus? Have I asked him to forgive me of my sins? And have I asked him to come into my heart? If you haven't prayed that prayer, Christians are praying right now. Every head bowed, every eye closed in the room. Pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Make me new. I promise that I will live for you. And when it doesn't go in, I'll shoot again. I'll keep coming back to you. I'll keep believing in faith. I give you my life. Take it now. Change the world for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you put your hands together for Jesus today? Our altar ministers are going to come forward. If you need prayer today, we want to pray for you. We love you. We continue to pray for you. Live right. Love everybody. Pray hard. We see you this Wednesday, church on the North Coast. God bless you as you go.